Hello and welcome to King of Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is Sam, your host for the morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you might be listening. Uh, I am joined by two very special guests, co-hosts, you might say, uh, in this particular instance. Uh, so I would like to not only uh, introduce you to the two of them, but also talk a little about uh, what we're doing and, and why we're doing it and what might be in store for the future. Uh, so, Todd. Yeah, so uh, I'm uh, Todd Rochelle. Uh, we've been a guest before on the King of Pro Wrestling uh, uh, I guess a year or so ago. Uh, so I'm with uh, Phil Singer Games, and I do a lot of the uh, business stuff uh, behind uh, the uh, collectible card games for pro wrestling that Phil Singer Games puts out, including Champions of the Galaxy and Legends of Wrestling and a number of different indie promotions. Uh, and uh, we are doing you – know, so Sam and I talked before about doing a – uh, kind of a pilot episode for uh, a Phil Singer Games-related podcast, and uh, so we—that's what we're here today to uh, to do. Uh, have a, a discussion. We have another guest with us, and uh, kind of go through a couple of things we were thinking format-wise, and uh, love to hear back from uh, from all the listeners. Absolutely. And speaking of our other guest slash co-host for uh, this episode, Mike. First off, thanks for having me on, on this podcast, Sam. It's it's uh, my first time. Todd's a veteran, but I, it's my first <laughs> time here. And uh, uh, but you know, I'm Mike Pulaski. I'm also with Full Singer Games, and uh, I, I'm involved both in the Champions of the Galaxy game as well as the uh, 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 Legends of Wrestling game. And you know, I, I think uh, I want to talk about a few things tonight. But I think you know, we obviously just had a, a New release just come out in the last uh, month uh, for uh, Champions of the Galaxy uh, called Future Shock um, Central Wrestling Federation 2115 that I happen to be uh, uh, the author of, uh, which was a lot of fun. And figure we could talk about that a little bit, talk about some of the other things that Phil Singer Games is doing over the next month. We've got another couple of, uh, uh, I think, pretty eagerly anticipated releases coming out in the champions line as well as in the legends of wrestling line and uh hopefully give people a little bit of uh of a feel for what phil singer games is about and uh hopefully tell them some things that are interesting Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of uh, uh, some of the stuff that's on the horizon, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this. But obviously, uh, you know, sort of the, the the big one would certainly be Sudden Death 2135, uh, which is uh, another chapter in the GWF uh, saga that began, you know, um, over 30 years ago and uh, still running strong to this day. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a really, really cool uh, set. I, th I think, you know, that that. Uh, without having spoken with him or, or knowing anything inside baseball about it, if you will, uh, that Tom, it seems, is putting quite uh, a lot into this particular set. So uh, I'm certainly looking forward to it. And then, of course, on the Legends of Wrestling end, um, we have a uh, sort of a hardcore-themed uh, Legends of Wrestling set with uh, wrestlers that have already been announced, like Al Snow, Justin Credible, Shane Douglas, uh, Ox Baker, Killer Kowalski. So it's shaping up to be uh, one hell of a set as well. Um, but going back to what you initially mentioned future shock uh, cwf 2115 i think um I certainly, you know, from, from many of the buzz on the message board seem to be uh, a hit. Uh, I know I'm having a lot of fun with it and, and, and really uh, already invested into the story that's been created, the, the, you know, the history uh, and some of the world building that's been done. So um, I think that 
you know, the first question that I would have would be, you know, where, where did this set come from? What was the genesis? What was the, you know, sort of the thought process behind deciding that, you know, we're going to go back to Centra. It's going to be set in 2115. You know, where did all of that start? Well, it's a great question. Um, obviously, um, it started with, you know, when Tom wrote GWF, uh, 2132, right? 32 regime change. Um, there was obviously at the end of the book, the future shock guys had been written out of the main storyline that they were sent back home, but they sort of circumvented the rule. And because <laughs> they had a time traveling machine decided they were going to go. They could cross dimensions that could, they would go to Centra, which is because they had read that that's what the people from the future had done when they made their uh, journey. Or at least um, the people from our timeline. Correct. From the, sure. the prime timeline, they found let, let, let's take a step back. Sure. <laughs> the prime timeline, which which is what Tom has written since 1986, yeah. um, all the GWF game editions, all the CPC POW product line, ACE, um, all, all these different things that have been written up until now had always been in, contained in a single timeline. What we found out in um, Future Shock 2130 was that there were alternate timelines and that these this group of wrestlers had traveled forward in time from the year 2109 to 2130, 2130 um, in an attempt to circumvent a wrestling ban. Instead of going to a different dimension, they went to forward in time. <laughs> what they didn't realize is that they were traveling across into a different timeline. Um, if I got wonky enough for you there, I'm glad <laughs> if I got too wonky for you, I apologize. Uh, but, but they, they were the prime timeline. People thought that this was too dangerous and these people needed to go home. But like any good story, people don't do what they're supposed to do. They do something different. <laughs> and in attempting to travel to a different dimension, they also travel to a different time and a third timeline that is different from where they came from, but it's not the prime timeline either, which is where future shock picks up. Um, so that was, Tom had written that and, you know, had intended on writing a story and he realized that he didn't have the time to commit to fleshing it all out. So he and I had talked about it. He asked me if I'd be interested in, Go, going with the ideas he had, and I said yes, and he gave me some freedom to take it in a direction I wanted to, and so that's kind of where where we started. So that started to answer your question. I don't know if I got the whole thing out there, but uh, that that's where it all started from. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I you know, I, I think um, as as a fan, um, in, in, when twenty one thirty came out, one of the first thoughts that I had, um, and I and I know I wasn't alone, is how cool is this? It basically, you know, adds extra validation to every promoter that's ever had a Fed out there and decided to take a chance and do something completely different and off the book and you know maybe tweak a card or or you know run with a card longer than it had actually been in play or you know whatever the case might have been for you know for any of these characters or situations that Tom was writing um, and I thought 
this is great. You know, he's created, not only do we have this, you know, prime timeline, as we now call it, uh, that we've been following along with that Tom has, you know, done for years and years, but now, um, you have this multiverse, you know, much like DC and Marvel, uh, of, of all these different possibilities and situations. And, I, I, I think that, Knowing that the door was opened there, there was definitely, I, I think for a lot of people, uh, a question of like, well, what does that mean and where does this go and are we going to get anything else from this? And so when the Future Shock members disappeared, I think there were a few people, myself included, that were like, oh, man, that's kind of a bummer. Like, I really like some of those guys. And I like the situations that we had. So the fact that we got them back, um, you know, for the most part um, in, in Future Shock uh, has been a thrill in and of itself. Um, now, as far as having them, you know, wind up in this third separate timeline, not the one that they're originally from, even the, you know, the, now the alpha timeline, as it's called in the handbook, um, you know, just out of curiosity, what, you know, what, what was it that made you decide that this is going to be a, di- a completely different timeline from where they came from, but also completely different from the prime timeline. And, when you started to craft that story, um, what were some of the key differences that you kind of honed in on that said, this is what's going to set it apart? Uh, That's a great question, Sam. I I think that um, the, you know, if if you look at it, you needed, if you were to do the prime timeline all over again, the the question, because that was one of the the thoughts that ran through is let's have this just be, Centra in the year 2115 or even another year, like pick some other year in the future, in the past. And the problem was, is that there'd have to be echoes and you'd have to then everything you did would have to say, well, how does this impact what happens in the prime timeline? What happens in what Tom's writing out and the level of coordination that's possible, but it also is constricting. Mm-hmm. So the thought was, did we really want to have what was the CWF like in the year 2115 in the prime timeline when these future shock guys show up? And then we would then have to explain why no one remembered them in 2119 when Chris started writing the ACE sets, right? Because you would think chaos would be a pretty notable person that would have (laughs) been talked about, you know, zombie invasion or no zombie invasion. There'd be, you know, someone like chaos would have been notable. So I felt that it was it, it just didn't make sense to try and shoehorn that back in and retcon it and say, oh, well, we've there's some silly reason that everyone's mind is wiped of chaos, you know, when in fact that was just not realistic. So the thought was, OK, that that's why we go to a different timeline was that way. We, we don't have to explain why everyone's forgotten that all this weird stuff happened. If that does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, and I think that the you know, the other thing uh, that that it does too is it sort of, for lack of a better word, protects um, the, the you know the the prime timelines version of, of Ace and 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 you know what that would eventually become without kind of like throwing anything in the ringer as far as like a retcon or you know anything right. like that. Yeah. Exactly, and and I think that I have too much respect for what Chris did, and and for all the time that that fans have invested in that Fed. I didn't want to, you know, insult that by trying to say you didn't know what really happened, right? I mean, that, right. That, that's kind of insulting people's intelligence, and that's 
not something Tom likes to do. You know, it's not something as, as you know, ultimately, you know, I, I started as a game fan. Yeah. And, you know, that that's how I got involved in, in, in this. And when I when I was writing, when I got involved in the writing piece of it, I, I wanted to write something that as a fan I wanted, you know, not just, you know, I, I didn't want to insult anyone's intelligence or say that what they had done didn't count or somehow that this is going to be a new thing that, that, that invalidated something that was done before. I think it needed to be something new and different um, because the other stuff was just too good, quite frankly, uh, to, to, to do anything other than be respectful of it. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's great to hear, especially, you know, these days when, uh, as much as I love, you know, Marvel comics, I feel like one of the things that they've done recently with, you know, the, the, the Marvel universe on the page, not on the screen is, you know, there've been so many reboots and retcons and, you know, just mowing down what has come before. And, you know, I know Grant Morrison's new X-Men run, which is fantastic, almost immediately got like, you know, just flushed away and, and, and you know, and, and painted over by what came after. So I think that it's, it's kind of refreshing to hear um that that there you know that there is kind of that that respect for what came before and the idea that you know it it does it all matters it is important and there's a way to to keep that you know without being overly reverent but at the same time um you know not trampling on uh you know what what people have already sort of taken as canon if you will <laughs> right and 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 none of that changes in this case this is something that you know the characters are new characters, even though they may have the same name. They're a new character that that is a di- effectively a different person that you're dealing with now. And that I think it, it struck the right balance between respecting the past but allowing create creative freedom to do some I I hope to be very fun things in the future. Yeah, it, it certainly I mean, it certainly looks like it. You know, I, I, I we were talking a little bit before we got started about, uh, you know, some of the things that are, are teased and, uh, you know, the potential for for characters uh, like Peganax or, or Murdoch uh, or, you know, what's up with the Ravagers or, you know, ages like there's there's a lot there that knowing what existed in the prime timeline. It's like, well, how are these things going to end up in the alpha timeline? Um, and, uh, I think for me, you know, the, the, the biggest sort of stamp of approval, uh, if it matters that I could, you know, give to, to the future shock set is that I'm absolutely invested on what's coming next. You know, I, I can't wait to find out where, you know, you decide to go next and, 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 and who will see if there are any more familiar faces down the road. Um, yeah, there's so many different characters that are, you know, there are possibilities like more gladiators, like the, the whole Ravagers, everybody else we know, you know, the main characters from Sentra that aren't even touched on. Like, you know, so many people say, oh, Sentra. So obviously we're getting, you said, Murdoch and, uh, you know, all the, the trench and warfare. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's like, so, yeah, getting them in and, you know, how are they different? Because the whole thing with the Future Shock stuff is, yeah, they're similar. But not not exactly. Some guys are more wildly different than than others. And yeah, I, when Aegis comes back, like, yeah, what, what is he really going to be like? We still know he's a leader there, but you know, how different is he? I guess is the question. Right. Well, and especially with what seems to be some sort of you know partnership with the you know uh, a, a kind of 
cooperative, uh, uh, more beneficent, you know, ravager race. Um, it, it, you know, that to me is one of the things that I'm probably most interested in. Um, you know, besides the obvious, like Murdoch and Peganex, which I think a lot of fans are, are curious about just knowing what's happening, like on Primus and, and Tilia and that sort of stuff. It's like, well, where, you know, where do we go from here? So, um, uh, no, no pressure, Mike. And obviously I don't want you to you know, spoil anything, but do you, do you want to drop any more hints or, or address any of the teases that were made? Well, I mean, I, I think that, um, you've obviously picked up on a few of them and I think that what I tried to do was to tease some things that I knew people wanted. I mean, I, I will, okay. I'll spoil one thing for you, Sam. I'll, 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 just, I'll just throw it right out there. Murdoch's going to get a card at some point. Okay. Nice. You know, this, this, he's, he's coming back, you know, he's not done. Nice. Um, you, you know, and I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, you're uh, one of the first things I actually wrote was that epilogue. Oh, cool. Right on that. That was actually one of those, uh, you know, there were a lot of ideas I had that I had conceptually, but one of the first things that actually went to pay, you know, I, I won't say pen to paper it was actually fingers to keyboard. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, but, but one of the first things that I actually wrote out, uh, verbatim was that epilogue and it didn't change. I don't, I actually don't think I had a major revision to it. it that was pretty much my initial thought was what you had there minus some, you know, you know there were some minor tweaks, but that, that, that was the actual, my initial thought. You know, uh, one other thing, actually, that I'd like to touch on, and I want us to move on because I know there's a lot of other things to cover, but I do want to uh, mention, um, at least mention Oracle, just because I feel like what, you, you know, what you've done with his character uh, has been has been really, really cool. Um, not that, you know, not that obviously, I mean, Tom created the character a while back and, he's, you know, he's, he's had a spotlight on him in, in multiple sets. But I just feel like there's to me, there's a little bit more you know, gravitas to the character in, in, in future shock to the point where I know before when I was running, I can't remember what year it was. Maybe it was, Oh, I don't know, 2120 something or other, but, uh, uh, where he, you know, he was kind of Trix's whipping boy in a way, you know, he was kind of a joke and it's like, if you got something wrong, you know, that was that. And I know, I know obviously with, you know, with, with black death and that sort of stuff, he certainly became a little bit more serious, uh, uh, at the advent of that. But I feel like the character in general, the way that he's written, um, I don't know, has, has definitely made me take him a little bit more seriously than maybe I did in the past. Sure. Uh, and he certainly seems to be kind of the, um, you know, the harbinger of this, of this set in, in, in many ways. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the way that you've written him and, and maybe, uh, you know, obviously with not, without giving anything else away, what, you know, what might be in store? Well, yeah, I mean, Oracle was a character who early on in the process, you know, cause obviously I, he was one that was, that was on, I, I will admit I, I had wanted to use him and I talked to Tom about, the idea for him and what he was going to be. And Tom really embraced it and said, yes, let's do this. I, I, I like that. And, um, you know, he's, I like the idea of a character who may not have the best skill set, mm -hmm. but can make an impact despite that. And I really wanted there to be a character who wasn't necessarily a, you know, monolith, a, uh, you know, a, a, a chaos supreme who wasn't this 
you know, dominant in-ring figure yet could still have an impact. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you have to do that through the story, right? If you're going to have your mid card and your upper mid card guys be compelling, that's really on you as a, as a storyteller. You have to, you have, you have to engage people and, and make them care about the character other than they're just awesome, right? It's, it, it's really, it's kind of easy to write. The easiest character to write to me is a villain who is incredibly powerful, who can't mm-hmm. be beat, right? I mean, that, that's the easiest character to write because in, it's, it's always easy to get motivation for bad guys. And yeah. unbeatable bad guys are really easy. They're power hungry or they want to dominate. You know, there, there's, it, it's not hard, right? You can, you can get that. The really hard thing is to get someone to care about a, a character who has less power. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really wanted somebody, and I felt like he had that mix of he was good. I mean, he's not a slouch in the ring or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, no way. Not, but but he's, he's clearly not the, the biggest um, threat to anyone in the set. But by writing him a certain way, I felt that it made him compelling. And that sort of made him bigger than maybe what his stats would indicate. Absolutely. Well, and he surrounded himself with, you know, with one heck of a team as well. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I got to say, you know, Total Anarchy is one of my favorite cards in the set. And, you know, then then you, you throw in uh, uh, Tortured Soul and uh, 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 oh, no, his name Agony. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Agony as well. Um, and, and I mean, it's, it's, it's one heck of a team. And in addition to that, the, the, you know, the kind of the, the cult of personality that has sprung up, you know, surrounding him before really the, the CWF gets restarted by Atlas, uh, is very interesting to me as well. And it's something as a promoter that I haven't played a whole lot with yet. Uh, but the idea that there are people out there that are, are just, you know, attracted to this guy and, and, and might not even necessarily be able to completely explain it. And I've seen him do, you know, things like what he does to like, uh, uh, Kronk Walters, you know what I mean? It's like, he, he, he's clearly not a good guy. Uh, well, but, wait, did he, did, did, did he did, do that to Kronk Walters? I'm not sure he did that to Kronk Walters. He didn't do anything. It just, you know, he foresaw it, right? It's, 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 it's true. Would, that, okay. Would you blame the weather I'm making man assumptions. For, the, for the, the tornado coming through the, the town. I mean, come on, you know, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> But I mean, Very in all point. seriousness, it was it, it's it's fun to write that, you know, quite frankly, I wanted something that was different, you know, that, that a guy who could come in and give this. I mean, really, you want to hate Oracle, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. You want to. But everything he says is true. That's a sign of a great heel. You know, yep. I mean, it's that's, it's it's. And, and that's the, that to me is the neat thing about the character is, is that, and much like, you know, I mean, Living Color did a great song that CM Punk brought to the ring, you know, about cult of personality. Yeah. And if you actually listen to that song, it's not about not every person in that song that they describe is a bad person. Right. Right. He talks about Mussolini, but then he talks about Gandhi. Right. So, yeah. you, you know, you, you just but you know just because you're a cult of personality doesn't mean you're bad right and so the question is is oracle good or bad 
<laughs> that is that. I mean, that, 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 see now, now you're throwing all sorts of uh, monkey wrenches into the works, and it's and, and and but that's the thing that I love. I think about this set is that you you you're given a different perspective uh, on on a lot of these people, which is what I think Future Sock when when Tom introduced these characters, you know, did from the get go, uh, and in particular with somebody like Star Slayer, for instance. I mean, this is not the Star Warrior we ever knew at all, you know. Um, uh, maybe there's a dash of avenging warrior in there, but you know, still, still a different guy, uh, in a lot of ways. And I think what, you know, what this set has done has kind of even furthered that with some of these characters. Um, you know, uh, obviously like Nebula, uh, you know, I'm a huge bloodline fan. So, you know, that character to me is very interesting. And, and, and the, I think the entire heritage faction, um, intrigues me quite a bit uh and and especially i know a fan favorite character saboteur uh a lot of people are certainly intrigued with you know with where he's going and i you know i made a comment on the message boards that i was surprised because he didn't necessarily seem to be quite as um tough of a competitor as maybe the last saboteur card that we had seen um but you know you raised the point that that character when he had kind of fully come into his own was you know, a guy that was like 10, 12 years in the future of what this saboteur is. So without giving anything away, I'm assuming there's a plan for saboteur, isn't there? (laughs) Well, I mean, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, it's, I'll just give a little shout out here to Mark Ashby, you know, because Mark was the one who originally created the saboteur character. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the saboteur that that came out in CPC 2112, um, he was a tag specialist who was kind of like maybe mid card. Yeah. You know, that as a singles wrestler, wasn't really that good. Um, and he eventually wound up. Mark grew the character. First off, he was always in actually. Saboteur was kind of like Oracle in that he was storyline very important, more important than his stats might indicate. And then he evolved into a main eventer over time, yeah. uh, which is what you're remembering is the main eventer Saboteur. Right. Um, but he started out as a mid card tag guy. Yeah. And so that I wanted with, you know, in, in this process, I, I wanted, you know, to, sort of go back to his roots a little bit. And it, it, I, I won't even say his roots. He, he's, he's different here. This isn't the same exact character that you're used to. You're not going to see the same story arc. Yeah. Just put it that way. Sure. Um, sure. But, but I thought that the, the, the character was such an intriguing one that, you know, I, I couldn't resist, you know, having the opportunity <laughs> to work with it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and again, without going in, too much depth because I think that one of the things that I know we want to try to do with this podcast is to help to maybe instigate and start some conversation for, for Galacticon, uh, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. But I, you know, some of these characters, I, I think I, I just instantly, it was easily for me to become invested in because of, of maybe the, the, you know, who they had been before. Uh, I know Adam Blast is, is one of those guys because this Adam Blast that we get reminds me much more of the, you know, those early, you know, 2090s uh, uh, Adam Blast. And, and, and so it's really kind of cool to see him be almost like this, um, 
you know, not not that there's a direct parallel necessarily, but almost like this the John Cena of the CWF in a way. You know, a guy who is who is certainly I mean, he's he's retired basically at the start of the set. Uh, and then comes out of retirement and, and, and everybody loves the guy. He's, he's got this legendary run that he's had. Um, but now he has to face, you know, what could be his biggest test, which is in essence himself in Adam mm-hmm. Trader. Um, and it's been a really, really interesting story. Um, was there any reason you decided to bring him back other than having the foil in Adam Trader? Was that just a character that you always enjoyed as well? Oh, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I always enjoyed, uh, the Adam Blast U.S. Patriot character. I, I thought Tom, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a patriotic American, you know, so I'm a sucker <laughs> that, that character, um, you know, and I always liked him. And I never, uh, Tom will have to forgive me for this, but I never liked the fact that he turned into the U.S. trader. Um, mm. I, I didn't, I, that was, to me, I, uh, you know, I had written my, myself a little bootleg thing, card of him where he tried to redeem himself later in his career, you know, because oh, nice. I felt like he he was such such a good person. Right. That, that, that how could he go so bad? Um, and I thought, you know, to me, it was interesting to have a mirror up and say, OK, Adam Trader, who's this. I mean, really a despicable character. He's about as despicable a character as Tom's written. You know, I mean, yeah. the, the guy is just just bad. I mean, there's no redeeming quality to him. And I thought, how could we have gone from Adam Blast of 2088 and the U.S. Patriot of the 2090s that, that to go to this irredeemable character? And I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting to see what if he made a different life choice? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how a life choice can impact you. And I thought that'd just be an interesting thing to pursue. Right. And, yeah. and uh, I didn't want to have a lot of mirror images. Like I didn't want to have, okay, here's, you know, you know, minister of war and here's vengeance alpha timeline. And here's this character and this, I didn't want to like sort of be overdo it, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you'll notice that star warrior kind of stays out of everything, even though he's admitted to be in the timeline, he stays out of it. Um, and his, kids basically don't want anything to do with the whole issue. Right. Uh, but, I, but I thought it'd be good to have one character where we explore what if the character made a different choice and what would the difference be? Well, um, I mean, Star Wars did make a different choice as well, which I right. think. No, no, but I, I guess, right. you know, like I, I wanted something that we could do that was um, where would there be a direct conflict? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Over it. Um, and and number you, the other side of it was, you know, we were talking earlier about the e- easiest character to write is the monster heel who, you know, is incredibly powerful. The toughest character to write is actually the strong face. Yeah, because that can be a very boring character, right? He always does the right thing, truth, justice, in the American way. You know, and and that that, that it's it's hard to make that character interesting. And I thought, you know, I wanted to have a character that was pure baby face, no shade of gray, no, um, you know, no, I'm trying to hedge and make him interesting by having him be edgy in some, you know, way. No, this guy's just a good guy, hundred percent and believed that 
he was retired, but his legacy was on the line by this guy showing up and he needed, you know, you, you could, you know, the old expression about, you know, you can curse the darkness or you can light a candle. Mm. And he felt that he needed to go ahead and, you know, defend his legacy and not just complain about it, but do something about it. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Well, and I, you know, I, I like the fact that so many of the, the the characters that have their, you know, their analog in in the the prime timeline, um, that the differences, um, in some cases, might not be as you know as pronounced. And I think that you know that that obviously like Mr. Centra might be a pretty good mm-hmm. example of that, you sure. know. Um, but then you've got guys like Evolution. Um, who is at, at this particular point seems to be about as far away from disaster as, as you could get. Don't forget um, the good guy doomsayer. Well, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so I, I think that that's one of the things that because, because so many of the fans know these characters or the variation of the character, it's, it's so intriguing to see those different spins um, and, and knowing that there is, um, that there's a lot underneath the surface, you know, it's like that iceberg theory that the Hemingway used to talk about. It's like, well, there's all this stuff underneath and we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. Uh, right. and, and I'm sure as the, uh, as the CWF continues to grow, that we're going to get more and more, uh, a light shed on what's going on beneath that. Um, and speaking of which, uh, is there a, can you talk about, is this something that maybe you're saving for Galacticon or down the road, but can you talk about perhaps a release schedule? Is this going to be a yearly thing? Are we going to see it more than often than that? Um, do you guys know as far as what the plan is for, for the next release? Um, we haven't set a release date yet but I would okay. say it won't be a full year between releases. I think that um, I would anticipate it be something, what do you think, Todd, first quarter? Yeah, first quarter of next year. Next year. Kind of the, 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 yeah. That's, That's cool. That's awesome. Um, so two more things to throw in real quick, just because I did want to mention them. Uh, I think that there are a lot of people, myself included, that are huge fans already of Revolver. Who is one of the original <laughs> characters in the set? Yeah, um, it has no. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, just such a great character. Uh, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about his creation at all? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I understand if you can't say much. I don't want you to, you know, to, to, I'm not asking you to give everything away. I'm just, I'm just curious as to, you know, where he came from. Well, um, I will say that. He is um, he's he's mysterious and 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 I kind of want to keep him that way a little bit for now. For sure, so I don't give you too much on him just because I think part of the thing is you don't know, and that's what sort of makes him compelling. Absolutely, um, you know, and it's a new you know you were talking before we we went live on the podcast about some world building stuff, and you know how this world was going to be different than, um, you know, what had been written in the prime timeline. And one of my thoughts was, well, if Centra was colonized differently, how, what impact would that have? And so there's this group of warriors out there who are in sort of isolated and forced to become tougher. And so he comes from that group. Um, you know, he's a character that, I actually really, really want to talk about, and I, 
I'm deathly afraid to talk about them because I'm afraid I'll give away something. But I will say that there is a definite plan with that character. Nice. And I, you know, I think that, um, you know, he, he's someone who is probably, uh, he doesn't have a lot of story in the first game edition, but I think over time he's going to be a more important character. Nice. Um, cool. Uh, so I, I, and it, it, it was, it, I wasn't sure what people would make of him. Um, yeah, I, and I'm glad that they seem to be embracing him because he, he's a character who I, quite frankly, um, you know, enjoyed. He wasn't someone who was in the original plan that I had when I, I set out. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, but but I, as I, you know, well, you know, when you write, you, you, you at least if you're, I, I think it's like anything else in life. You have to sort of adapt to the situation as it occurs. And so as you're writing, you may have had a plan, but then you see a good idea and you have to sort of adjust around it. And he's, there was a whole, I knew that I wanted Doomsayer's team to have three guys on it. Mm. And the question always was, who was the third guy? And I thought about using an established character, like say maybe Dreadnought. Okay. To, to fill that role, but it didn't feel right because I felt like I really didn't want it to, again, just be a rehash. Right. So, right. so I was like, well, how can I do this a little differently? And I thought adding this character in would be a, it, 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 it met a long-term story goal I wanted to pursue. And it also fit the, the current need of the set. So I thought it was a, that was an adjustment I made. Um, and I, I, See, so far, it seems like it's it, it's something people have embraced. So, for sure, for sure. Um, and then, I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention just briefly that you know one of the cool things about uh, Phil Singer games in general, um, but in particular connected with this set is is Promoter Prime, um, which is you know basically like a, a subscription um, where you you know you get multiple cards. Um, per quarter that, that tie into game editions that have been released. Um, and, you know, not only is there one obviously for the, the champions of the galaxy game set, but there's also the legends and the indie set. So basically, you know, the opportunity to get, you know, like nine, uh, uh, new cards, uh, uh, periodically and the three cards that were released, um, for the, the CWF set were, um, uh, Zelos. Is that, am I saying that right? Is that, is that how you... Zelos is how I pronounce it. Zelos, okay. You know, okay. I think it's a little potato potato thing. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, and then cringe and grovel um, from uh, uh, the you know the primitives from Primus, if you will, uh, the tag yes. team. Um, and and, and Zelos ha has been a favorite of mine, honestly, uh, right off the bat. Again, you know, not one of those like world breaker statted cards. Um, but just a, a, you know, an interesting character that I think, you know, adds a new layer, uh, to the game, especially with the special match that was created, um, for this particular set. Do you want to talk a little bit about that special match real quick? Sure. The gauntlet match, you know, it, it was, I wanted something that was unique, right? I mean, I, I felt like, you know, we don't have a lot of new matches, right? I mean, you, you see, you know, in, in wrestling today, I mean, pretty much the matches you see now, we haven't had a real, truly innovative match. Like, gosh, probably 
since Hell in a Cell, you know, for WWF or WWE. You know, yeah. that, that was the last really, truly different match, I think, that came out. Well, maybe Elimination Chamber or yeah, something like that. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah, I guess Elimination Chamber came after that. So the Elimination Chamber would probably be the last one. But you don't have a lot of them. And, and you know, mirroring that in the Champions of the Galaxy universe, we hadn't had a, a new match in a while. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, gee, you know, what would be something different? And I thought, you know, let, let's have a, a title that's not a belt. Mm-hmm. And and so I thought when I came up with the idea for having a title that wasn't a belt, I said, well, wait a minute. If it's a pair of gauntlets, couldn't the gauntlets have some, you know, uh, effect? You know, like, couldn't there be a bonus to having a, a gauntlet? And then, you know, I, lo- I looked back and I realized, you know, well, in the original Ace sets that Chris wrote, he had the, the Essence titles had a, a champion's advantage to them. Right. And so I thought, well, how could I put a champion's advantage in it? But I didn't want to just have it be, oh, well, the, it was just the same as what had been done before. So I thought, well, these gauntlets could be these ancient artifacts that have some mysterious power that nobody really understands. And you know, let's combine it with a ladder match. You know, mm-hmm. everybody loves a ladder match. So let's, let's sort of make it in there. And I did, but I didn't want it to just be, you climb the ladder and you win, you put the gauntlets on, but you could still lose. And, and that was sort of, I, I wanted there to be a, uh, an advantage to them, but not necessarily a clinch. It, it wasn't an automatic win. So that was sort of the, the thought process. And I, and I personally, I'm I love to pick a coal miners glove match there. So a little bit. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Never having seen a coal miners glove match, it, yes, it's a, you know it's, it's a similar concept. So. Yeah, and I yeah I, I've uh, I've actually only run one so far, and that was to crown uh, the the initial holders of the gauntlets. And you know the cool thing about that match is that you know Zelos actually retrieved the gauntlets, but Minister of War won the match. And I just thought that that was really cool. Uh, you know, that that kind of added that extra wrinkle that it's not about retrieving them. You know, it's about being able to do something with them, about being able to capitalize on it. And, and, yep. and it, it allowed for, you know, a, a kind of an interesting flow to the match. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, as I think you mentioned, because I had asked you uh, on the message boards even, uh, you don't even have to retrieve the gauntlets in order to the match to be over. Right. Like, you know, the match can just end at any time. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. And the mechanic, obviously, of whoever holds the gauntlets and kind of the, the extra little boost that it gives them is, is great, too. Um Todd, now I know you, you haven't ha- had a chance to say a whole lot yet, uh, as we've been talking about this. Um, but I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, as far as kind of, you, you know, in, in the position that you have with Phil Singer Games, you know, what your perspective is on uh, the set, and and you know, if you have any, you know, favorite uh, either characters or, or, or pieces of sort of mythology from the set, uh, if you wanted to add anything to kind of what we've been saying. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely the one thing I gotta say I'm very happy with is to have another alternate champions of the galaxy product to play. Um, I mean, we have, you know, that we've kind of restarted the 2087 and 2088 in color, and that's going to continue there. Cause I think fans want to see those original uh, game cards there, but having something that's like new and developing that you can kind of play along with, like it's been a while since we've had one. And, you know, I think we, we had like a number of them at one point. And then with legends getting more popular, indie getting more popular, the focus was put on that. And I'm very glad to see 
something new here and I've enjoyed playing it. As I, I usually mostly just play Champions of the Galaxy stuff myself, even though I'm more invested in the creative of the real life stuff. I tend to play more champions and I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, as far as like some favorite characters from this one, um, uh, obviously Mr. Sentra has, uh, you know, it's definitely <laughs> a lot of fun there. Uh, he's, uh, getting his shot against chaos and, uh, chaos Supreme in my next card. So I'm looking forward to see if he can, uh, pull that one off there. Um, you mentioned revolver who's had a nice run for me. Um, trying to think who else is, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've had a lot of fun with, uh, the whole U.S. Uh, the, you know, Adam Blast versus Adam Trader stuff. You know, it's uh, you know they made the, the two teams made it to the finals of my tag team tournament, which was cool. I was trying to keep them away for a while, and yeah. they, they made they, they it was meant to happen. It was a lot of fun with that. So I mean, just so many cool things to kind of play out with. I mean, I think the teams are really well set up against each other. And I think there's like a lot of flexibility that you can do with that. And, and it's kind of cool just to have that in between the, uh, the GWF year. And, um, yeah, I think I, I pared down my GWF year a little bit this year and got made it a little bit smaller knowing that I was going to have another, um, another set to play. So, and, and I'm interested to see just what everybody else thinks. I mean, so far it's been a very positive response, which has been great. And, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it continue for another couple sets and you know we'll see what happens i mean i think you know the interesting thing is with with this you know with the future shock team you know it could be a couple years and then there might be somebody else going to some other timeline who knows (laughs) i think the concept with the whole timeline is cool that you know you you see it's almost kind of like the old marvel what if type of mm-hmm. thing you know it's a little bit of that kind of played out on a, on a different scale which i was always a big fan of those those comics and uh it's kind of see it's a little bit of the what if in the champions of the galaxy universe which is is, is neat to say absolutely i've actually been uh reading um crisis on infinite earth um through the dc universe app and you know since they uh they have finally uploaded the entire library of dc comics um to to the app there's just so much stuff on there and instead of just reading the 12 issue like maxi series i've been reading all the tie-in issues as well and one of the cool things about those is that you know you're getting like earth 2 and earth 3 and you know all these characters and different spins on certain characters in particular like the you know the earth 2 justice society which included batman and superman and wonder woman uh you know as opposed to earth 1 they they weren't around then and because you know they kind of been retconned out of it and so I, I, for me, um, that's kind of where my mind has been at recently, you know, in relation to this set. So I, I've really enjoyed kind of seeing that that alternate spin as well. Um, and speaking of of alternate spins, a character that we didn't talk too much uh, about because we wanted to give uh, a sort of a spotlight to a particular character um, on this on this episode, and uh, we decided that it would be apropos if that character were chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Chaos Supreme holds a, a uh, pretty dominant position in uh, in the CWF. I think for a lot of promoters right now, I know he's my CWF champ. Uh, Same here. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and he's a hard man to beat. There's no doubt about it. Um, so let's go all the way back to the debut of of you know the original Chaos, which was in War Games 2092. Um, 
what what were your guys' initial impressions? Uh, well, I guess, you know, even before we do that, uh, Todd, how long have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing since 1991. So 2093 had just come out. And actually in my GWF playing, 2093 was where I started. So I actually missed 2092. Okay. With that. And he just kind of came in starting with that. Uh, but yeah. Nice. And Mike, what about you? When did you start playing? I started playing in 1989. Nice. Uh, so that was Invasion 2, which I always like to say because that was before Tom put years on everything. So, right. was, uh, you know, so I, I actually have Invasion 2 is what my booklet says. Uh, so it's a, uh, that, that, that's so, but I started from 2087. I, I, I pushed back and, and, and ran an abbreviated 87, 88, and then went into 89. So nice. I got to, when chaos came out, that was sort of, uh, that was a big deal, um, to say the least. Yeah. And up until then it had been kind of a star warrior and, and Thantos federation with Wolf sort of and spike sniffing around the edges of that to all of a sudden there was this, you know, dominant figure who came in and cleaned house. Yeah. And I, I started playing in 1994, um, so it's my 25th anniversary in the game. Oh, uh, yeah, happy anniversary. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I started playing in 94, uh, but I started with 2087. Um, and when I, uh, you know, kind of decided to go all in with the game, um, I, I ended up ordering, I think like six sets at once. Um, so I had like 88 through 2090. 394 somewhere around there um all at once uh and and it took a lot of restraint to to, to pace myself uh but much like you were saying mike yeah I, I i you know thandos and and star warrior had really been the two more dominant guys bishop hell actually snuck in there for a while for me mm-hmm. um and at one time yeah, he actually helped both sure, the yeah. planetary and the galaxian title for me uh, he was the first dual champ i had but anyway um yeah what um so mike obviously for you you know when when he came along you were there kind of to to, to see that in real time if you will um when you saw that that card and 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 those stats what do you remember like what your initial impressions were i think you know i'll keep it uh family friendly i I said wow wow was probably the the best way to say it i mean it was He was different. I mean, there was there was never anything like that card before him. I mean, I know we've gotten a little used to triple finishers. You know, it's the game's evolved, and 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 in many ways, it's been a great thing. Uh, but you know, if you if you were playing from the beginning, a, a triple finisher was just. I mean, it was it was unheard of at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and. And he was—he didn't just have a triple finisher. He had a great defense. You know, I mean, the whole card was was just stacked all the way through. He had a straight three move on level one offense. I mean, you know, there was—it was just a a, a card that um, you sat there and went, "Wow!" When you looked at it, and then he backed it up when you used it. You know, it was, it was one of those. I don't know anyone who played at that time who Chaos wasn't a major player for. Was he right. a negative four or negative five power? Five. He was five. He was the first negative one that went five, five, right? I yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, my memory serves me. Yeah. And I think you know, the other thing, too, that was super cool, because obviously, like, the for, for 
just because there may be some uninitiated listening to this particular episode of the podcast, sure. um, the you know the, the way that the cards are generally statted out is that you have three levels of offense, three levels of defense, and on level three offense, that's where your most powerful moves are, and that's where your finisher is, and the finisher is usually on a, a die roll of six because you have six moves per level, and so if you roll a six, that's generally your finisher, and those finishers can range anywhere from you know being a modifier of zero up to you know plus uh, what is the highest that we've seen actually. Five is the highest we've ever seen as a straight move, I yeah. believe. Yeah. yeah. It typically ranges from the typical range is zero to three, and then you you occasionally get the four, and we there has been character two who's had a plus five. And so that you know, and so that traditionally would be you know the only spot that you'd have a finisher. Uh, and chaos had three of them. So if you rolled a four, five, or a six. That led to a finishing maneuver. Um, the other thing that he had that was interesting was the mechanic of the Alpha Stone, um, mm -hmm. which I, I think at the time was, you know, we would never seen any kind of mechanic like that before. Correct. He was, you know, his power, his his level three offense, and this Alpha Stone mechanic were all unique things to the character, which, you know, obviously. You know, having a great set of stats is one thing, but this this guy, the character's story said that he had found this stone that made him more powerful, but that the stone could weaken during the match. And yeah. and there was a his connection to it could weaken. So there would be this moment where he'd be on defense, and if you rolled a certain um, number, you had to check the alpha stone, and then you'd roll to see if the alpha stone stayed strong or if it went weak. And so here you had this monster guy who all of a sudden now let's just be frank. He wasn't a pushover if the alpha stone was weak, right? <laughs> right? You know, he was still a very competent wrestler, but he went from being otherworldly to be being merely exceptional, you know, like when, when that happened. And so it was, it was neat to see, well, all of a sudden he was more vulnerable when that happened. So it was, it was, it, it was a revolutionary card in many ways. Absolutely. And I, you know, the other thing that I think that was really cool is that Tom created, and, and this is something that started, if I'm not mistaken, in 2091, um, with Matador coming on the mm -hmm. scene that yep. dimension X, you know, was, was mentioned and, 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 and brought into play. And the fact that we had these guys, you know, coming over from this other dimension that had been wrestling in another federation. And, um, you know, and Matador was, was, you know, sort of the first of that bunch. And then, um, and then chaos, you know, comes the next year. Uh, and I, I think that that aspect, the fact that he, you know, he comes from beyond that he's not mm -hmm. of this, you know, this dimension, this realm, if you will. Um, and, and, and I think that, yeah, the the way the character was set up stat wise, he was a beast. But the fact that he had such a great backstory as well um, made him interesting and fun to play. Because it's one thing I think, kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Mike, when you're writing for characters. If you have this guy who's like this, you know, unbeatable behemoth, if there's nothing behind that, you lose interest pretty quickly. And, and you're just sort of like, God, I don't want this guy who's going to beat everybody all the time because I'm more interested and invested in these other characters. Uh, but the fact that he had these, you know, these interesting aspects, including the alpha stone and coming from another dimension. Um, I know for me, I, I was just kind of like, wow, this guy is, is something else. 
Well, it was different. And, and you know, another thing Tom did that I think gave an, another little layer of intrigue to the character was up until then, Tom had always written the heroes and the villains. And if you remember correctly, Chaos came in as part of the, it was called Earth. the Third Force. Yeah. And so it was, you know, he had, you know, it was him, Matador, and the, and the Keepers of the Stone. And yep. so they were this new group that was, they weren't there to be good or bad. They were there to win. And they wanted to beat everybody. Right. So it was this sort of different, like, um, take. Like, you know, Again, we talk about unique things, you know, sort of groundbreaking things for the GWF. When Tom was writing, that was something new. There was somebody who didn't care whether you wanted him to be a good guy or a bad guy. He just was. Mm -hmm. I'm here to win. That's all I care about. So yeah, that's a different sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's what drew me to chaos, especially was being part of that that third thing, mm -hmm. not being a hero, not being a villain. I've always been kind of attracted. Like that's always been some of my favorite characters and different. Uh, genres in the past so like uh, I always like in the Masters of the Universe I always liked the Horde you know the Horde was like mm. the, third, the third one they weren't uh, you know with, with Skeletor they weren't with He-Man and you know I guess maybe a little bit like Jabba the Hutt and his crew <laughs> not necessarily Empire or whatnot so I always kind of like you know that that third kind of middling you know group you know not middling group but you know third group there that really is out for themselves and, and Chaos really kind of brought that um, I mean as far as like you know once I started using him i he was my first champion and going through my history before i think he was my most time ever champion 28 times the way i was going through oh, my wow. history there like he would lose it but he would win it back because i do a lot more like a like a sport so like he would always get a top contendership again and he'd win it back so yeah yeah I, i'm guessing a lot of other people is pretty dominant for as well in, in terms of the title hunt well, and that was a challenge to bring him into the, you know, that character as Chaos Supreme into the the, the center set because now you're, you're you're going, what do I do with this guy? Because he, I mean, he's a legend, right? I mean, it's it, it's there's, I I can't like, I mean, we've just talked about how groundbreaking the character is, and so, what do you do with this guy? And so, you know, I figured, you know, let's. What what would it be if he was actually an out and out baby face? Mm -hmm. um, well, he couldn't be an out and out baby face because that's just not his personality, right? He's not going to pander to fans. He's not he's right. not going to be slapping five as he runs to the ring, right? You know, but but he could still be. I I thought in the you know just like I mean I think there's lots of athletes you know in real life who aren't necessarily the nicest guy in the world. They're not run into fans, but they get lots of cheers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Floyd Mayweather comes to mind, you know, a lot, yeah. lot of people cheer Floyd Mayweather, but he doesn't exactly go around pandering, asking people to cheer for him. Um, so I figured that that was, that, that was what I tried to do with the character in Centra was, you know, nobody had seen the guy. So he was a legend, but that nobody had seen. So they'd be excited to see him. And how would he react to that? So it's a, but he, I mean, to me, he's one of the more ground, more innovative characters Tom ever came up with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that too, the you know the story that ended up kind of springing out of, and I'm sure was probably something that you know that Tom thought a lot about in his creation as well. But you know, even the rivalry with Alpha Force, um, I think you know really, in a lot of ways, um, 
I won't say that it set the tone for the GWF, but it certainly set the tone for sort of those upper echelon matches during that era. Um, it, you know, the, those two guys were always going to be in the mix along with like, you know, Matador and Thantos and star warrior and, and, and Wolf maybe and, and throw spike in there too. But like that, that was kind of these two opposing forces. And, I, you know, I remember when alpha force came along in 2093 for me, that was a big deal. And, and that character, you know, ended up being the perfect foil for chaos and, and sort of the fight over something more than, you know, the Galaxian championship, that this was about more than that. And so it was easy to kind of get invested in that storyline. Um, but I, but I agree with, you know, with kind of what you're saying about chaos in, in, in the CWF and in the future shock set is that, uh, for, as I've been kind of writing him as a promoter, uh, I've been having him be a man of few words, uh, you know, and, 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 that, and that Magnus kind of does most of the talking for him. Um, and that it's interesting that the way that that whole Future Shock team is sort of being accepted by the fans in very different ways. You know, some of those guys the fans hate and then some of them, you know, they're sort of, oh, maybe maybe these guys are OK. And then, of course, you've got Chaos, who they just He's like a special attraction. And in that respect, it's, you know, it's easy to draw parallels. And I don't and I'm not trying to say that this was any sort of intention whatsoever, but it's easy to draw parallels, I think, to the way that, you know, Brock Lesnar was Mm -hmm. treated when he first came back to the WWE after having been away in the UFC for a while. Um, and, And that idea that he was a special attraction and that even though he was going up against guys that might have traditionally been cheered at the time uh, uh, or half cheered, half booed like John Cena, that the idea was is that you were seeing something special when you saw him get in the ring. Um, And and I think that that has kind of always been true of chaos, that that the character was always something special. And that his overall storyline, you know, the fact that he was around as long as he was, I mean, he, he lasted for what, like 20 years in the GWF. Does that sound right? Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm trying to think. He he left when they he went left to Central. Yeah. yeah he, he, so 2109 was when he left. Okay. So he, you know, he he'd been there for. Um, yeah, 17, 17, 18 years. years. About yeah. 17 years. Yeah, and it's worth noting that he had quite a few cards. You, you know, I mean, in addition to the Man of Power card that came out in the the Dimension X Classic set, you know, he had his original card from 2092. Then he got a special edition card in 2096. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then he had the update in 2106, and then a special edition card in 2108. Um, I, I, without having the cards in front of you, do you guys uh, remember any out- artwork standing out? Because for me, I know I have a favorite. I'm just curious if you guys have a favorite uh, piece of art for Chaos. I always love the Larry Snelly one. I mean, yep. that, that, that's, that's always been my favorite. That's probably the one used the most too, but yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, the first two, I mean, the first one will always hold a, a special place in my heart. It may not be as good as the special edition card that came out, you know, with the, the, the Snelly one, but, but, yeah. it, but, but it was, um, I'll just always remember seeing that card for the first time. And it was like, wow, this was the, so, so the first one will always have sort of a special place for me, but both those first two cards, I think were, yeah. um, were, were notable for the, yeah. yeah. And they were also him in his prime and at his best and, and everything else. So that, that, 
those are probably the notable ones to me. We're actually looking forward to in a couple of years when we get to 2092 and the colors, just seeing another reimage of chaos and yeah. color. It would be cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, for anyone who's listening, you know, if you're uh, a fan of, of the game already and, and haven't waded into the, the, the sort of the revisioned, uh, 2087, 2088, or if you've never played before, uh, I mean, the artwork is just out of this world and, and the, the cards, the thing that I love is that the stats have been tweaked ever so slightly to, to bring them in line with what are, you know, now considered to be like the, the rules. Um, because in the early days, you know, I, I think probably <laughs> Tom himself would even admit that it was kind of fast and loose, but, um, they're just, they're just great examples of, of, of those characters. And for me have kind of become the definitive versions, um, you know, the artwork and everything. And that's no, you know, disrespect to Chuck Carter who, who did the art for those early sets and, and just really, you know, helped craft these characters, which brings me to a question. I don't know if either one of you know the answer to this, but how much, um, you know, I, I imagine it was a collaborative process between Tom and Chuck, but in those early days with the artwork and with these characters, do you know what went into the design, um, for the artwork for somebody like chaos, for instance? Hmm. I, I don't know specifically about chaos. I mean, I, and, and I, it's been a long time, but I remember a couple of stories Tom's told over the years about the, the early years with, with those characters. It was very collaborative um, hmm. with, with Chuck, as I recall, especially the first set for sure. Yeah, the first set for sure. Like, I mean, and you know, there's some interesting things like, you know, I mean, the, I remember him telling the story about how Thantos wasn't supposed to have a scar on his face. Oh, really? No, that was a smudge that, that <laughs> turned into a scar. If, if wow. I remember the story correctly, um, that, that you know there was a little smudge that they decided to turn into a scar on on the sketch. Um, wow! And, and then therefore, you know, now all this depth of character came out of a smudge. But uh, so, but but I, I think I think that um, you know it it, it was uh, even now I, I'll say this right now it's a collaborative effort with um the artist uh, yeah. in, in the case of future shock you know i worked with werner who let me just say knocked it out of the park yeah without so a doubt I, I think i think future shock uh set was and werner's done lots of great things for for years for phil singer games but to me that set he just you know he he just nailed it and um it actually impacted the writing in some cases uh, you know, Doomsayer was originally supposed to be a more agile, uh, I don't want to say he was a cruiserweight, but he was definitely going to be an agile guy. Interesting. And, and, and I had given Werner some ideas on what to do, and, and he came back with a sketch that Doomsayer looked bigger. And I said, well, he can't be an agile guy. He's got to be more of a power guy with that look. <laughs> so I revamped the character a little bit um, for it, and I think to it to the benefit of this overall story. I, I, I mean, I, you know, mm -hmm. some of that artwork. I mean, you know, agony. I mean, yeah. that piece of art is just a beautiful piece of art. Um, and you know, he's got all this. I mean, it was just he caught so many. Uh, I mean, he was able to catch the arrogance of Mister Centra. You know the. Uh, the the mystery of I mean I I think you were talking earlier about the revolver character I think a big part of why people like him is there's this piece of art that's kind of interesting mm -hmm. you know that 
Um, you know, I, I told him I wanted a Gatling gun as a handgun, you know, and he came up with that, <laughs> that weapon that he's got. And, and, uh, um, you know, the, the, you know, the mask, I, 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 that was the one thing that I, that I, I wanted him to have was a mask along those lines and Werner nailed what I kind of wanted him to do. And, you know, he, he you know, just did some great stuff with that set. I mean, I, I look at that Oracle drawing is just, I mean, if you really look at it, he's got the, the reflection on the crystal ball. I mean, you know, the, 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 the reflection, the light reflecting into his eyes. Yeah. Thing. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's the detail on it's amazing. And I think some of the coloring he does on it is just absolutely amazing. Like the work that the design and Warner taught himself all the coloring, like how to do that. I mean, it, it's wow. amazing, like where it's come. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would almost argue that he's a better, and, and it's not to, to slight his artwork because I just yeah. complimenting it, but I think he's actually better at coloring. You know, as a colorist, he's, I think, maybe even better than he is as, as an artist. Yeah, you know, I, I, the, one of the artwork pieces of artwork that pops for me in the set, uh, honestly, has got to be Tortured Soul as well. Yeah. I think that, like, the coloring there is, is incredible, and, and, you know, some of the line work and inking is just is, is really, really well done. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's definitely uh, a hit. <laughs> yeah. um, and just remember, 10 years ago, there was a huge controversy about us doing color cards. That was... 10 years ago. Oh man. That's so crazy to me. And it's like, Oh no, we don't want color cards. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. It's, 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 and, and Warner's been a big part of that. I mean, that's yeah. just the, the work, you know, you, it could have gone another way with somebody who wasn't as talented as he is. And it might yeah. not have been as successful, but, but Warner's just been so outstanding. I mean, it's been beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Now he's also doing um, the the artwork for the next GWF set as well, right? It's a collaboration between him and Daryl Banks. Or, uh, oh, oh Daryl's yeah. great. It, it, it wound up being what about fifty fifty? About fifty fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so speaking of which, uh, uh, I mean, I could continue talking about chaos in the old days. Because this, uh, I, I, have, I will bring one more chaos thing up, which will tie into yeah. the next thing. Is that uh, which we're going to talk about Galacticon and everything coming up in uh, next week or so. My very first Galacticon was in 1999, and the first tournament that I played there, I got chaos in, and I won the first tournament, thereby cementing my title as tournament master. <laughs> so I, I will always be happy, you know. I always love chaos, and unfortunately. Um, I did not win the Galacticon championship with chaos that that was taken away from me, but, uh, that's all right. Well, I'll let that <laughs> well, yeah. And speaking, so speaking of, of both Galacticon and, and what's kind of coming next with 2135, uh, you know, what has been a, a yearly tradition now for, for a while, um, in not only Galacticon, but also the release uh, of the newest set has been going on for a number of years. Uh, how long has, has, has Tom been doing that? Has it been like what, like ten years or so? Oh no, oh, no, more than that. I went to my first Galacticon in two thousand and one, and they, he was releasing it at the con then. So no, but just, okay, I, I, I'm sorry. Then maybe I should maybe I should amend what I was saying. But at that time, had he gone to the yearly schedule yet? Because I thought the year. Oh no, that's no. what I thought. Okay, so that I guess that's how I meant it, right? Because there'd always been a release at Galacticon. But mm -hmm. I, I, I'm I'm sorry, I should have amended what I was saying. But as far as being like the 
really right. they do it once a year. How long has that been the case? Uh, since twenty one nineteen was the first one, so that was uh, oh, so it has been about fifteen years then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Let's see about that. Yeah, yeah, because it was still every year, but then there was yeah, there was a December set. And now, luckily, we're getting other stuff. And the first, years. the first Black Death was a December set. Yeah, right? so the first Black Death was a December set. Yeah, so it was an extra okay. one. Yes, that was fifteen years ago then. Yeah, because it was wow. Like, Man, time flies. Uh, so, but, but Galacticon itself has been going on for even longer. When, uh, when was the first Galacticon? Well, this is the 30th Galacticon, actually. Wow. Wow. So, That's oh, yeah. So, so yeah. I, have to, I have to admit in, in, in shame and sadness that I have never been to Galacticon in spite of, of following along for 20-plus years, um, and that I, I had thought that uh, either – Sometime in the past five years, I was convinced I was going to get to one. And then when, when this year's was announced and the location was announced, I was sure I was going to get to one because my family lives in southeastern Pennsylvania. However, uh, my daughter's birthday is Sunday, July 14th. So <laughs> there, was, there was just no way that I was going to make it out from Chicago, unfortunately. So I'm sad to miss it. Well, but... you should bring her with you to visit family while you go to Galacticon. Uh, yes, I, you know, would, <laughs> would that I could, <laughs> um, but my wife loves me, but I don't know if she loves Not me that, that much, um, <laughs> uh, but, but all, all kidding aside, you know, Galacticon has, as obviously over the past 30 years, just kind of, you know, continued to grow and become, I, I think a, a central piece of, um, of not only what champions of the galaxy and, and legends and, and the indie card sets, um, you know, kind of all converges, but as well as, as fans and promoters. And even for those of us that can't attend, I know that, you know, just following along on the message boards, you know, these past 10, 12 years that there's always conversation going on, um, you know, from those of us that, that, that aren't even there. Um, so, so Todd, why don't you talk a little bit about, and thank you, by the way, I, you know, spoiler alert for everyone. I have a, a copy of the program that was emailed to me uh, as we start this podcast. So I, I haven't even gotten a copy of it yet. Just uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take care of that. Hold, hold on, Mike. I'll send you a copy right now. So. <laughs> oh, I did want to get um, Sam's reaction to something on the program, which we'll, don't, don't, don't go there yet, but we'll not. We'll get there. We'll get there in a second here. Actually, let me let me take care of uh, of, of Mike. But uh, yeah, so Galacticon. I, I've been probably involved with uh, helping out with Galacticon. I guess the past oh uh, fifteen years or so, if I'm okay. not mistaken. Um, and I remember at the end of one Galacticon, you know, Tom was like, ah, oh, you know, it's a lot of work putting this together, and uh yeah i wish i you know i wish i had some some help and and in, in doing this and then i'm like yeah i'll help do it <laughs> <laughs> and of course that kind of wound up being into you know helping on more than just the con but still you know no matter what over the course of the past uh 15 or so years i've been uh, helping coordinate this you know we were in jamestown up until about five years ago we still every year in jamestown uh, and then we've been traveling the last however many years. And uh, this year, I think Mike and I wanted to give ourselves a little bit of a reprieve on 
the long car trip uh, <laughs> uh, down there uh, to Tlaxcala and then have it a little bit closer to the East Coast and uh, and uh, give, uh, give give some people there um, you know a, a chance to to come that maybe wouldn't be able to come to some of the other ones in the Midwest. But yeah, you know, we're still deciding you know what we're going to do, what the future of Galacticon is, like how much it'll travel versus you know how much it'll have a a you know a home in a certain area we'll, we'll figure that out in time but um yeah so a couple key things you know obviously the big part of you know, of the convention is game playing you know doing you know playing against other people i think for i'd say a majority of the people there the only time that they get to play against another human being uh and champions of the galaxy and legends is at galacticon <laughs> uh, usually everyone just kind of plays solitaire by themselves obviously there's some exceptions to that but uh but it's i mean it, you know it, it's a fun experience if you've never been there and i, I think um i mean truth be told when, I, when my first galacticon i walked in the door and i met tom and leslie who were checking everyone in but then when i actually walked into the I'll just say the, the, the con area uh, at the Sheldon house, the first two people I met were Mark Ashby and Todd Gershel. So it's like, <laughs> you know, so who, who, you know, you wind up, the game plays obviously what we're doing. And, and it's really neat because when you're playing versus someone, there's more strategy involved than if you're just playing by yourself. Right. Um, but also you get to meet people and yeah. there's some truly I mean, amazing people you get to meet um, at, at the con, and you, you develop friendships. I think that that are, you know, n- no no offense to any interaction I have with people on the boards or, or anything like that or, or in social media, but it's just different. I mean, it's neat just to be able to sit across the table from somebody and talk to them. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of us have, you know, sort of, I'll just say, grown up together. Even you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, we. We've seen each other, you know, meet our spouses, have children. You know, it's sort of like a, a family reunion almost. Yeah, when we get definitely. Hey, we remember a little uh, Jaron coming in as a little yeah. now, and he's uh, what about uh, six six, and uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing. So like, oh my gosh, that is a little yeah, kid. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he he went from squirt to the guy who's going to squash everybody. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's, yeah, it's neat seeing a lot of the same people, and and, uh, and it's cool. Every year we get some new people too. That the other first time at the con, which is great, you know. So hopefully uh, one of these years coming up, uh, you will count yourself amongst that, Sam. <laughs> I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. Um, I yeah, I you know, like I said, it's been one of those things that I've kind of. Uh, followed along, um, you know, for as long as been possible through through the wonders of the internet, and and even I can remember back in like, gosh, it must have been like ninety nine or two thousand, like seeing some of the pictures that were posted, and just you know, and seeing people sitting around a table, you know, rolling dice and playing this game that at that time, you know, I'd only been playing for like five or six years, uh, but had always played solitaire like you're saying and yeah. you know, still do uh to this day and and i derive uh, a lot of enjoyment out of that but um i think that one of the cool things that's happened over these past couple of years is I, as i've kind of sort of 
um, done more than just post some fed results, you know, on the message boards, I've been able to interact with some fans and, and, and some people that, um, you know, have come through Chicago, like Zeke, for instance, who's come through Chicago. We went to an AAW show together and, you know, hung out, had a couple beers, had some dinner, you know, and got to chat. And, you know, for me, it was exciting because like I told him at one point, I'm like, this is literally the first time that I've ever talked to anybody about the game that, plays the game, you know, cause I just never had that interaction in person before. And, 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 and then obviously being able to talk to you and, you know, talk to both of you guys and, 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 you know, obviously we're doing this over Skype and everything, but it's, uh, it's definitely, I think been a, a small peek into the, you know, the window of, 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 of Galacticon as far as that interaction, um, with other promoters and other fans of the game. Um, and, and, yeah, I, it's definitely something that I'm looking forward to, and I'll, I will definitely make it happen at some point. <laughs> yeah, and we try to expand on, you know, what happens at Galacticon weekend. You know, so, I mean, it started five years ago when we did the Champions of the Galaxy live event. So, like, they're doing the actual bringing the Champions of the Galaxy characters to life in a wrestling show. Um, you know, and then the last couple of years we've, uh, for the most part, maybe I think we, we have one more year we came back to James that weren't able to, we always try to do some type of a live wrestling show during the course of the weekend. And, you know, either that, or, you know, with it being the summertime, uh, very often we've done a, been to a baseball game. So we've been, uh, you know, used to go to the Jamestown jammers back in the day. We used to be the Friday night event. Um, but, uh, this year is pretty neat that we get to combine, going to a baseball game and a wrestling event together, which is yeah. really neat. So uh, we're going to be visiting the Red and Fighting Phils on Friday night, and then right afterwards is going to be Chikara Pro Wrestling, which uh, I'm a big fan of, you know, for, you know, the last 10 years or so, I've been a big fan of what they've been doing. So yeah. very cool that we get to do that. I think a lot of people that come to the con have never been to Chikara show, so I know a lot of people are very excited about that. Uh, we will have a special card that is available as a surprise card there. However, if you were a fan of Chikara, you might have a chance and, you know, I have an idea who it might be since we're going to a baseball stadium. That's all I'll say. But, uh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. But, uh, oh, but, yeah. There he goes teasing. It's I like, like the tease. spoiler. <laughs> bordering, bordering close on spoiler there. Yeah, but I'm excited to do that, um, you know, have that experience there. Um, and then, you know, we have the, the, the con proper on Saturday and Sunday, kind of have our, you know, pre sneak preview to the, uh, to the, uh, family reunion on Friday night, which is, is always a lot of fun. Just getting to hang out with everybody, seeing everybody for the first time. Um, yeah. And uh, we are going to do late night, which we've been doing now. We did it, did it last year. I guess we do it every year. We do like the Friday early release of the of the game, just so you know when we get to there on Saturday, not everybody's sitting in a corner reading the book, you know, which was the case for a number of years at Galacticon. And it was like, all right, we need to start playing and doing other things. So we released a little early. So midnight the night before pre-release of the book, the pre-release, the pre-release of, of, of the game. Yeah. So I, I, you know, this, this, I assume this podcast is not coming out, uh, uh, on one, you know, before the July 4th announcement, uh, but, uh, you yeah, know, so the July 4th, we're going to show the, the handbook cover, which I actually gave you a preview of Sam. It's actually yeah. also on the cover of the Galacticon program. Just seeing yeah. this, what's your initial thought? 
on seeing the cover. No spoiler, but 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 what's what's your uh, with yeah without spoiling anything, let me just say that if you if you are a fan of of the game, uh, uh, you know as much as we are, and also a fan of of Marvel comics and in particular the Silver Age, I think you're going to be uh, very impressed with with the cover. Um, this is I don't know. There's something about just looking at it that makes me feel a little bit like a kid. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I can't wait to open this thing up, uh, and, and get to know, um, what's happening and, and, and who some of these new folks are. And, you know, I, I know that we got kind of a bit of a, a sneak preview uh, a couple weeks ago online, um, with a, a picture, um, that again, harkened back to sort of those silver age Marvel comics. And this kind of runs with that theme in, in a very beautiful way. And, and, uh, knowing that this set is, is kind of a, a loving tribute to the late Stan Lee. Um, I gotta say that I couldn't imagine a more fitting tribute, um, that, that Tom and, and the gang could give, uh, than, than just seeing this cover, much less what's inside. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it's, it's really neat. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot more to come with it and, you know, some of the characters there definitely, I'm sure were inspired and, uh, part of the, uh, yeah, part of the con, we always have the Q&A with Tom, but he is doing something special on Saturday called the Secret Inspirations Inside Story of Sudden Death 2135. So there's a lot of the backstory here that Mike and I do not know that we're probably right. really interested to hear, too. Uh, that's one of those things that I hate to miss, but uh, I, I know that it, there's been – discussion about the potential for it. I know it's been done in the past of, of, of maybe offering in some sort of uh, live look at what's going on. Is that going to be something that'll be done again this year? That's, those that can't attend. That's the plan. Yeah. We're going to try to get something up on uh, Facebook live uh, at least during the Q and a part. Yeah. That's probably about the extent of it is that we'll be able to do. I'm not sure how well it'll come through with the, uh, presentation he's going to do, sure. uh, but I think at least some of the Q and a, we'll do that. We'll try to take questions from people ahead of time and then maybe even some live, uh, get fed into, into us. Uh, so we'll, yeah, we'll have something. We'll announce something on social media about you know, how you could, uh, how you could watch that while it's happening. So probably right now on the schedule, it's looking to be, you know, between two and three o'clock is Tom's presentation and the Q and a. So we'll, we'll post something up around that time then as well with the information about how you can, how you can do that. Nice. Um, now, in addition to the, the special top secret, uh, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge card that will be released uh, in conjunction with the baseball game, there yeah. is, uh, another, uh, special edition card that's going to be released, uh, at Galacticon that's already been, uh, announced online. And, and that's, uh, of Avalanche, um, which was, uh, of course a, a card for, a King Kong Bundy in the, in the GWF universe and, and, and COTG. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about this card? Another kind of loving tribute to, to a talent that we lost uh, this past year. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about this card? The artwork, by the way, is brilliant. I love it. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the art, yeah. So, you know, with, with uh, King Kong Bundy passing, you know, we, we, you know, we had done a card for him actually at Galacticon. What was it? Was that two years ago? We did, yeah. I think two years ago at Galacticon, we did, we did a color legends card. Uh, but this one here, you know, we were actually thinking about doing an avalanche card anyway. I think both Mike and Rob were thinking about doing one anyway. <laughs> 
him, uh, you know, with his unfortunate passing, and it's like, okay, we definitely need to pay tribute. Uh, King Kong Bundy is one of the early uh, endorsers of, of Champions of the Galaxy. Uh, so being able to do this card here, uh, you know, color uh, version of the Avalanche character uh, is going to be great. It's going to be available to everybody um, uh, pretty soon to be able to buy if you can't make it to Galacticon. If you are going to Galacticon and prepay, then you get it for free. Uh, so yeah, we might make sure some benefit to people. Who, By the way, the, that you don't forget about the prepay part, right? You yeah. prepay, you go <laughs> online and prepay, and you get the card for free. Right. Um, Otherwise, you got to pay for it there too. So yes. Yeah, yeah. so. <laughs> so, but I mean, we wanted to do something. You know, we like to do something for you know all the fans who because you know I know lots of people you know worry about oh is this you know you're doing something special for people who attend Galacticon. But I think what people don't realize is, you know, there's some people, I mean, they're flying in from Seattle and from Las Vegas and, you know, the West Coast. And people are spending a lot of money to come in and, you know, know, and to come in and do that. And we like to just give them the first look at things and give them some special stuff just because, you know, we really appreciate, you know, people who invest in in, in coming out. And it's a great weekend, but it's not easy for everyone. And, And, you know, Everyone, you know, who does make the effort to get in there, we want them to at least feel like we appreciate them coming in. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And, uh, you know, I I think that it's 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 a a wonderful tribute, not only, of course, to the game and and, and to to the creators and and Tom, but uh, also it's it's a celebration of the fandom, which is, is, you know, important and and integral, I think, to any fandom that exists out there. And, and, um, you know, any any convention that you go to these days, I mean, that's really what it's all about. It's it's more, you know, a lot of these things have become even more about the, you know, the fans and celebrating being a part of something than it has been about necessarily being, um, you know, uh, able to celebrate the, the, the creators or the actors, or the, you know, whatever. Todd, is there anything else that you want to add uh, about Galacticon? Um, you know, obviously, um, July 12th through the 14th uh, in Malvern, Pennsylvania. Um you can still register right now. Uh, this will probably drop on July the 5th, uh, which is a Friday, so right after the holiday. So you got about a, a week to get yourself there. Um, but, yeah, is there anything else that you want, want to add about Galacticon, Todd? Yeah, it, it seems to be for whatever reason the last two years after we announced a Galacticon date and uh, location that we <laughs> decides to put a pay-per-view on that weekend. Uh, so yeah, you're following if, us, Todd. Yeah, no, right, exactly. So, I mean, if you want to make a whole wrestling weekend out of it, we have a couple guys I know who are going to uh, Extreme Rules on that Sunday, and then actually we have a really big contingent of us going to see Evolve Wrestling that night, which is actually the first ever indie show broadcast on the WWE Network. So uh, some really good matches there. So yeah. uh, we're, we're not arranging uh, you know, tickets for that. That one you're kind of on your own, but I know a bunch of us are going to the – uh, 2300 arena, the old ECW arena that night to go, uh, see some good old wrestling there. I mean, really what, what better way? I mean, because the, the, will the, will the legend set drop at Galacticon as well? Yeah. The legend set will be available Saturday morning. It won't be available Friday night. It'll be available Saturday morning. Yep. So what better way really to celebrate that release, which includes some, you know, ECW guys, 
uh, in the set uh, than, than going to the the old ECW arena, uh, which is now no longer old. I don't know if anybody's. It, it, it looks real nice now. Yeah, it looks really nice now compared to the way that it used to. Well, that, that, that's what happens when you turn a wrestling arena into a concert hall and then decide to make it back into a wrestling arena. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and and let's face it, Evolve, honestly, they put on a great show. Uh, uh, the, you know, just some of the best wrestling, um, I think, that, that, that you know, we've seen from the indies over the past and a number of NXT so. stars as well. I think pretty much almost all of them have, uh, you know, Phil Singer games cards as well. will be there. I know, uh, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Matt Riddle versus Drew Gulak is on the card. Uh, yeah. It's a Tommaso Ciampa update, by the way, can we just, can we just do that? Like, I mean, just for the heck of it. Amazing, doesn't it? Yeah. So why not? You know, <laughs> It always gets um, a little dicey with that, though, you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I I think that you know anyone uh, who, who's listening that, that is you know on the fence at all has the ability to go that has yet to decide. I would certainly encourage to go. I, I know that you know I, I certainly wish that I could be there, um, and and I'm sure it's going to be an amazing time. Um, you know, I know that, that obviously sitting around playing the game with other people face to face, especially people who've been playing the game for a very long time, you get the opportunity, I'm sure to talk about, uh, some of the interesting rules and mechanics of the game that, uh, as Todd and I have talked about before in private, you might play one way for a decade and then realize, Oh, I've been doing this wrong. Uh, <laughs> so we wanted to take a moment, uh, on this, this, this sort of pilot episode, if you will, for a potential Phil Singer games podcast to do a segment on, uh, rules and mechanics of the game. And, and in discussing, you know, a good place to start, we thought that the, uh, the choice up, uh, mechanic on the cards might be something to, to, to briefly discuss and talk about uh, the way that it's used, when it's used, how it's used, why it's used. Um, this is probably the number one thing that people get, have always gotten wrong. So, uh, <laughs> you, so if you look on the card there, you know, after some of the, the, the charts, you'll see the little uh, C in brackets, which gives you a choice. Now, many people think it's, oh, I have a choice if I want to go out of the ring or not. And if I don't want to, I'm just going to re-roll on the same level. That's not really how it works. <laughs> I think a lot of people don't understand that from the real books. But usually, anytime you see that, you have the choice of rolling that chart you know, on that level or going a level up, as we said. So if you were rolling out of the ring on level three, you could instead, oh, my opponent has an A ring rating. That's not so good for me. I'm going to go up to level two and re-roll on that instead where i have say three level three moves which is much more in my advantage uh so that's really how it it is and it really gives a lot more flexibility i think to the card writers and in strategy how and how that you know both both of the card writers and they're writing it as well as players when you're playing against somebody else and, and, and i'd also like to add in for all the naysayers who think todd might be wrong about that <laughs> take, take take a look at level one offense You'll never see a choice on level one offense. Except for bootlegs for people who don't necessarily know how that <laughs> works, well, which, uh, has, which has happened plenty of times. I, I guess I'll <laughs> say on an official card, you'll never see a choice on level one offense uh, yeah. because you obviously can't go up from level one. So that would be the, the well, proof. One of, the, 
Well, one of the things that I love uh, about the sort of the intricacies of the card design is that in addition to sort of the strategy that you were mentioning, Todd, that there's also for promoters who are, you know, maybe playing solitaire that you get the opportunity to, you know, have a have a hand not necessarily in the outcome of the match, but certainly the direction of the match by utilizing some of those things. And, you know, certainly if you've got a guy who might not be traditionally a brawler or somebody that you don't want to risk disqualification or something like that on then out of the ring, for instance, it's an opportunity to, you know, to, to, to keep it in the ring, to keep it clean, you know, or, or this guy, maybe he shouldn't go to the top rope and it's after a death jump. So you're like, ah, he's not going to go up top right now. It doesn't make sense. And so I, I think that for, for me, uh, trying to kind of imagine the storytelling aspect of the game a lot, it, it allows me to influence that as a promoter uh, in a really interesting way. And, and I, I enjoy having that opportunity to kind of say, eh, am I going to go for this here? Am I not going to go for this? And, you know, and, and kind of creating those scenarios in my head where it's like, well, I've rolled the out of the ring three times. Now I'm going to go ahead and let this third time. It's going to go out of the ring right. and whatever happens happens, you know? Um, but, but yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed it. And, you know, the other thing is too, sometimes it gives you the opportunities like, oh man, this guy has been getting his butt kicked the whole match. And, and now I have an opportunity to set this guy up on level two offense. All of a sudden, maybe there's a chance he's going to roll a one and give me an opportunity at a reversal or something like that. So I think that, uh, uh, there's a lot of, of, of cool strategy that comes not only if you're playing against someone, but just in that, that sort of promoter mindset of trying to figure out how do I want this match to go? What story am I telling? Right. And I'll say like when I play solitaire, I try to take a lot of the um, decisions out of it. I like to kind of just play and have it. You know, I have a set of different rules that I do. And that's the one thing that that's great about the game is that you can really kind of, you know, play it however you want. We, if you have some house rules and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so a lot of times I'm not necessarily making decisions. I kind of have a, a set you know, protocol of what I do, but you know, definitely when we're at Galacticon, we play by the official rules, which includes, you know, everything that is in there, all the, you know, we, you know, obviously fatigue, which I think everybody pretty much does. I don't think anybody mm-hmm. really doesn't use fatigue, but using the choice charts, using the, the, you know, the rolling up and, and, uh, you know, the right number of tag saves, if it's a tag match, although we don't usually do too many tag tournaments, those take too long. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, stuff like that. And, and, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I know, is there any differences that you do with it, Mike, uh, versus, you know, when you play solitaire? Um, the only thing I've done over the years is um, for the choice charts, so, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, uh, G, H. Um, sometimes I, I, for my GWF, I actually don't use that for, um, you know, the weekly cards. Um, I just play the move oh, as it is. Okay. And then for pay-per-views and for title matches, I use the choice charts. Okay. Um, and so I use it like a clutch factor. So for some guys, the ch- the charts improve their chances of winning. Other guys, it diminishes them. And I always view that as like the guy who chokes in the big moment or who rises to the occasion. You know, it's it's sort of a, a neat thing I've done. I I haven't used it that I with the uh, future shock uh, guys. I've been playing it straight. You know, according to the official rules. But for my GWF, I've used it as a um, I, I've traditionally used it as like as a clutch rating almost. 
That's a really cool house rule. I, I like that actually. I like that a lot. It it, it kind of I think not only you know with what you're talking about kind of story, but also mimicking the idea that let's face it, those weekly TV shows you're not necessarily getting a lot of you know barn burners. You, you know, it's just like right. they're 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 there and they're and they're gone. And whereas with those big pay per views or championship matches, you're going to get uh, uh, a little bit longer match, something where you've got a little bit more going on. So I like that. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, one thing I will say with the also just kind of going back to Galacticon uh, a little bit that we didn't touch on, but you know, kind of with this, you know, saying all the official tournaments that we do, um, we'll use the, the the official the official rules. Um, and for people who are new, you know, we do uh, eight official tournaments during the con, including the Canada Cup on Sunday, which has been going on since Galacticon number two run by Mike Fortune, who <laughs> has never missed a Galacticon. He is the only person to be at all, be at all 30, including Tom. Tom wow. Uh, but Mike has been there at all of them and has done the Canada Cup at almost all of them, which is kind of a round-robin tournament, which is a nice way to kind of cap off everything. But then after that, we do have the Galacticon uh, Championship, which the, all the eight winners come back and, you know, we have one big rumble at the end and the winner gets their, you know, has at least in the past gotten their name engraved on our Galacticon Cup trophy. However, last year we've completely filled up the trophy. Oh so, boy. Yeah. With, with, with a great name actually too, Todd Rickville, <laughs> as the champion on the cup. So I think that means I get to officially keep the cup. Now, how um, many times has your name been put on the cup? Just once. I made it to the finals multiple times, but I've, I've only won it once. Yes. Uh, well, I guess in a way it's fitting then that it would retire with, with you. Exactly. So I, I will have some, some, something here this year that's different. You know, I'll bring the cup with me um, and uh, I'll have something else as well uh, that uh, I think the, you know, the, the Galactic, you know, everybody at Galactic kind of, I hope will, will enjoy this uh, is, is Something new. I don't know if it'll be, you know, in place of the cup or in addition to the cup, but you know, we'll we'll see. Excellent, excellent. Well, I look forward to hearing about it. Maybe seeing pictures, video, something. You know. Um, so moving on as as we get into the home stretch, I know it's 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 nearing uh, twelve o'clock here in Chicago, which means that you guys are are past the midnight hour on the East Coast. So certainly want to wrap things up here soon. But there was something that really. I think sparked a lot of the discussion about doing this podcast at the very beginning. Um, something that, that we kind of all were thinking would be not only a lot of fun, um, but, but help to enhance, I think the enjoyment, uh, of the game for, for players and promoters and add to a little bit of the texture of the, the overall stories, um, that we can, tell you know as promoters and, and as content creators um and that was uh well actually todd do you want to talk a little bit about this yeah so i mean one of the ideas we had and i think it's kind of gone back to the 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 first ever podcast that was done for you know phil singer games and champions of the galaxy universe was the zone of lawlessness that mark ashby did and you know while we had so, you know some of the more informational and, and interview type podcasts that he did with certain people, a lot of it also was kind of more of the serialized drama aspects and kind of storytelling in between the sets. And that's something that we haven't really had for a while, and something I think that uh, 
really kind of added to, you know, when he was writing the CPC, I think it really added to to the lore of that universe. And it was something I thought we you know, would be cool to bring back in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, absolutely. And as someone who listened to, you know, the zone of lawlessness, uh, I was actually on tour with a children's theater at the time. I worked as a professional actor for for a number of years and still involved in nonprofit arts to this day. Uh, it was uh, I, I got a kick out of it. It was a thrill for me to have something to listen to in the car rides because we were driving all over the place. Um, and I really enjoyed them. And they added a lot to my CPC, which I had really kind of just, you know, gotten into at that time, I think that, you know, that the, that the, that the, you know, the podcast helped to do that for me, um, because I had kind of not really gone all in, uh, um, you know, with CPC until that. Um, and, and so the opportunity obviously to discuss doing something like that, um, now and to help kind of tell those stories in between, um, certainly thrills me and, and I think gives us a, an interesting canvas to paint on in addition to, you know, what's happening obviously in the booklets and stuff. Um, you know, Mike, uh, what about you? What do you, you know, what do you want to tell people? Uh, you know, what, what can they expect? Do you think from this? Well, I mean, you know, it, it's, we're, we're kicking around some ideas. I don't think we've finalized anything yet, but I, I think that it would be, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a sports fan. And, and, you know, everybody, you know, likes their sports highlights, you know, their sports shows, you know, whether it's sports center or, you know, in the old days when you turn on, you know, watch the, the news and you'd see the sportscaster give an update on what's going on. And I think having some little connection to what's going on in the storyline, maybe to transition between game editions would be, a, you know, something that would be like, like Todd said, it worked really well for what Mark did i i don't know that i'd be well i'll just say i would never be comfortable trying to be mark because mark is <laughs> talented at that yeah uh, but 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 uh but something along those lines where we can give people a little bit of a real-time feel for which way things are are going um so sort of a little bit of storytelling a little bit of teaser kind of all wrapped into one yeah absolutely so so um I, I, I take a little bit of a pause there just in, in case we're not ready to say this and I need to cut this out. But uh, are we are, are, are we willing to let people know who are listening to this podcast right here right now at uh, that this, you know, audio content that will be created will indeed be Future Shock and CWF related directly um, that that's the content that they can look forward to? I mean that that would be the current plan. I mean I think that, <laughs> no I, I honestly I think it's it's the obvious one because it's new it, it it can there's a lot sort of that can be told and and the quite frankly the storytelling I think the direction we're heading in will lend itself to it more than maybe the GWF would. Um, I think that uh, um, you know the GWF's a lot about mystery and what's you know sort of there's a lot of unanswered questions and what where things are going and um tom likes to sort of reveal that in, in, at his own pace i think that what we're doing with the cwf can there's certain things i think you know people have you, you referred to some of the things that were in the booklet that were sort of I won't even call them Easter eggs because they weren't even that well hidden. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that might that exploring them with um, you know some type of uh, 
content in this medium would be, uh, I think, some, I hope would be something people would enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, and I think, you know, uh, right now is that we're, we're doing this as a, like a pilot episode here. You know, we, we've had a couple, there's been a couple uh, you know, podcasts that we've done over the course of the years with, you know, starting with Zona, Zona Lawlessness. We had the greatest podcast in the galaxy there with Wiggy for a number of years, which was much more of an interview uh, focused show interview and news focused show. And, you know, I think with this, we're kind of looking, you know, kind of coming up with a couple ideas of different, different things that we can do, whether it is interviews with different personalities within Phil Singer games or other people that we interact with within the wrestling industry, we could be looking at, you know, obviously we'll always update on news and things that are happening. Uh, and then having some of the segments like we did this time with the, uh, character spotlight with the kind of rules segment. Uh, there could be other segments like that that might be more recurring things that if, you know, as we probably, you know, put these podcasts out on a whatever basis, um, you know, we'd love to have feedback. You know, what do you like? What are some of the things that you think are, uh, that should be part of this podcast? That's what we want to get this out before Galacticon, hopefully uh, uh, most everybody go into there and gets a chance to listen to this beforehand and can talk to us about that. Absolutely. I, yeah, that, I mean, that's certainly, you know, my, my hope. Um, and, and when it comes to, um, having something that, that serves, uh, you know, all of the facets of Phil Singer games and being able to talk about, you know, legends that are, that are, you know, in the game and, and maybe, you know, delve into a little bit of the, the history of the game as well and, and be able to talk about characters and rules and kind of what we've done here, um, and, and cover all the bases, uh, which I think would be a lot of fun in addition to generating uh you know hopefully some some really cool interesting content that that kind of enhances the enjoyment of the game itself um you know beyond the informational stuff and the news and the notes um but you know this is this is a thrill for me uh you know being a fan and and having played the game for 25 years and and really kind of done so completely solitary on my own for the, the the better part of that and really only over these past few years kind of you know, getting into the, the the more social aspect of the game uh, online through the message boards, and then being able to interact with people such as yourself. And uh, I know last year um, when King of Pro Wrestling podcast, uh, my co-host Paul uh, and, and I attended uh, All In and were at Starcast. Uh, it was a no-brainer for me to kind of reach out and say, "Hey, you know, let's let's figure out what we can do," and um, being able to. You know, not only do uh, uh, sort of live, uh, you know, playing of the game there at StarCast and, and giving away sets and uh, and talking about the game and, and, and talking to talent. And, you know, big thrill for me, obviously, is, is being able to go to shows and getting talent to sign their cards. I have, you know, almost nearly every single one of my Shimmer cards is signed. Um, because being here in Chicago, I get to go over to Berwyn and go to the Shimmer shows, which is which is a thrill. And um, you know, having been able to get other cards signed by folks has always been a heck of a lot of fun. So um, I, I'm I'm thrilled to be able to take part in this, and 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 thrilled that, that King of Pro Wrestling podcast is able to kind of be uh, the, the the venue right now for for this pilot. And and certainly not only do I, do I want to hear from Phil Singer Games fans and and, and what they're thinking and uh, and any feedback that they have for us, uh, but obviously any of uh, the listeners to the King of Pro Wrestling podcast. I know this is something completely different from what we have normally done in the past, and I would love to be able to have the opportunity to hear uh, what, what what everyone else is thinking because you know this podcast has has gone through a 
lot of, of changes um, over the past year that we've been in existence, and and I think uh, will be very different from here from here on out. So uh, this is uh, certainly going to be a big part of that. Um, but uh, do, do either one of you have any any final thoughts that you want to add or throw in there, other than telling people to come to Galacticon and to, to visit PhilSingerGames.com and purchase all of the sets that they don't have right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we, we, we'd love to see everybody at Galacticon, obviously. And, and I, I'm glad you mentioned the website because I was just thinking, I don't know if we actually dropped the name of the website for those of, uh, of your listeners who aren't familiar with the game. You can go to www.philsingergames.com. There's a link to the discussion board off of that website as well, so you can connect with people in the community if you have questions. Um, but but obviously, we'd, we'd love to have everybody see everybody in Malvern um, uh, uh, in about a week and a half. And, uh, um, you know, we, we'd love to, if, if you're not a part of the game community, we'd love to have you as part of it. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, definitely, you know, keep track of everything that we got going on, obviously, over the course of the weekend. Keep tabs on our social media at Phil Singer Games and our Facebook page. Uh, we'll hopefully have the uh, we should have the live stream of the Q&A from there. And but, you know, just definitely like us on there. Follow us along. And uh, we have new stuff going up every at least Monday. And now I think it's every Monday and Thursday we have uh different teasers going on for different new things coming out, new stuff all the time. So uh, whether you're into the old school wrestling, whether you're into the uh, indie scene or whether you uh, want to venture into the future and other timelines and everything, uh, we, we got a, definitely a, a cool game product for you. And, uh, and you could actually, if you go on the website, uh, you can, sign up to try it for free you can download the instruction manual for free and charts and really learn how to play um there's uh, lots of resources out there on our mes message board and a great community well uh out there to help if you have any questions yeah absolutely the community is 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 awesome very active uh you know one of my favorite things is being able to share uh, uh results uh from from your fed and and read other people's feds and just the creativity that you get to see happening on a regular basis um which i think has has kind of been one of the main goals of, of the game from the get-go and um you know tom actually had a book um uh, the dark menace of the universe where he discussed how important that was to him as the creator of, of the game and and, and that uh, the creativity that the fans show is is, is super important and so being able to take part in that on the message boards is awesome um obviously the twitter handle at phil singer games um there's there's a lot going on over there whether it's uh, artwork which there's been some recent releases including that killer kowalski artwork which i love um and uh, uh just you know a, a really wonderful community to to be a part of so for those of you that aren't um certainly check that out uh, again that's philsingergames.com um or cotg online com, um, which you can sign up for a free account and, and kind of uh, test the game out uh, via demo and get the, the game rules that way. Uh, and you'll be buying sets in no time, I have no doubt. Uh, now, one last thing I did want to add is that uh, it was tweeted out yesterday um, that Tom's doing a summer game store tour um, the week of the 12th through the 19th, and it will be in, in Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. Uh, Todd, do you have those uh, specific locations that he's going to be at? Um 
because I know that that's uh, a fun thing, uh, not only for the fans, obviously, and people that uh, haven't maybe played the game before, but it's a it's a fun time for him as well. And obviously, we'll kind of springboard off of, of Galacticon um, because Tom no longer lives on the East Coast. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, old school fans are you know familiar with him being uh, based in New York, but he's been living now in Arizona for for the past uh, however many years. Um, so for him to kind of get out there uh, and visit some of these places is uh, is a cool opportunity for folks that might not necessarily have the opportunity otherwise to visit Galacticon or whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's yeah, I think he did that. He's done it before for other times he's come out to the East Coast. I think it's a, it's a cool thing to go out and you know, go to some other areas and meet you know, try to meet some new fans, meet some other fans that maybe couldn't uh, make it uh, you know, for the weekend there. Uh but yeah, he's going to be at the Collector's Corner in Parkville, Maryland on the 14th that night. Uh Gatehouse Games in Altoona, Pennsylvania. On the 15th, Geekadrome in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on the 16th. And then on July 19th, the Friday after Galacticon, he'll be in uh, Menor, Ohio, near uh, Cleveland at the Great Lakes Game Emporium. Fantastic. And as the uh, press release on the website says, it's going to be bigger than a Rolling Stones concert. So (laughs) you really need to get out there. And check this out. I, I don't know if Tom's going to strut across a table or what, but you never know what's going to happen, really, when it comes to Phil Singer games. Uh, well, Todd, Mike, thank you guys so very much. I know we had a heck of a time getting all the schedules to converge in order to record this. Um, I know it's very late for you guys uh, out there in the East, so uh, I don't want to keep you up any longer. Um, But thank you so, so very much. This has been a hell of a lot of fun for me. Uh, I hope you guys have had fun. Most importantly, I uh, hope you listeners have have had a great time as well. Look forward to hearing from you and and seeing what you all have have had to say. So, uh, Todd, thank you very much. Thank you, Sam. Absolutely. Mike, thank you very much. And uh, as a fan, thank you for your work uh, on Future Shock. It has been so much fun to play and uh, has been a blast to talk about. I could I could absolutely keep picking your brain and talking about other characters. But, uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's late. We all have to get some sleep at some point. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Sam, Sam it was my pleasure, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful to everyone who stuck through this uh, podcast to listen to me kind of wax on, on, on some <laughs> of these topics. But uh, thanks a lot for, for having us. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, thanks again, fans, for listening, and uh, we hope that you all take care of yourselves and one another in the meantime. And uh, King of Pro Wrestling and Phil Singer Games will be back uh, on your uh, iPod. iPod. Who uses an iPod anymore? Mm -hmm. iPhone, iTunes, podcast, Google Play, wherever you're listening. We thank you, and uh, we'll certainly be back soon.
I'm going to show off the Galacticon cup here. Just. <laughs> no, nice. there's, there's the last name on it right here. And then, there you go. <laughs> you should go awesome. a few years earlier, though. That there, there, there's there's another notable. Uh, Let's see where is it. It's um, oh no, it's it's quite quite a long time. Yeah, it's on the first side actually. The last name on the first side. Oh, well, wait, but, go ahead and pull that up thing. I'll put put that up one more time. It, it's there's a glare. You got to see. There you go. Yes, but you did it with thunder, which that right yeah. there, man after my own heart, man. Thunder there just. You go. Uh, so, my, he was. My, the greatest interplanetary champion in GWF history in my feds. He was, he was one of my, I, I, I think, you know, for a span of about two, two and a half years, he was probably, uh, uh, held the Galaxian longer than anybody. He wow. his reign was interrupted a couple of times, uh, once by, uh, my, by Mandrill, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember who else now threw him off the top of the mountain, but other than that, he was champ for almost like, you know, the better part of two years. Well, he, he held the interplanetary title in my fed for over a year and a half. Nice. And it was, and it happened to be, uh, he came back from Centra with it. Oh, okay. And, uh, uh, Cordonis, you know, sent Incubus up against him, you know, to take the title from him. And that sure. didn't work out. And he wound up sending the entire roster after him and couldn't take the title from him. So he, even though he was a gladiator, he's the only gladiator in my fed other than Spike, I think. And for a brief period of time, I think there was a time where the gladiator sort of turned face. Yeah. But uh, but other than when they turned face, he he and, and Spike are the only two who ever actually were genuinely embraced by the fans because they just hated Cordonis so much. Nice. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a. Uh, um, He's a legend in my fed. So. For sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, yeah, God, man, that takes me, that takes me back thinking about Spike when he first popped into my <laughs> fed and just like, it was, it was hard for me not to just love him as a character. And at that point, like Brute and Massacre were, were, you know, very much hated. Uh, but when Spike came along, you know, I couldn't help but, but love him. And considering that, you know, I was just playing you know, on my own, like I was the only person to please. I was like the promoter and the fans all wrapped up in one. So he was a face as far as I was concerned. (laughs) 2091. He, I mean, he became an out and out face and you know, that to me was, he was never, he never really was hated after that. Yeah. 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 